welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. So please turn with me to Romans chapter 3. We've been talking about the, the life, the way, the life of victory. I'd rather live in victory than always need a victory. Can I get a spiritual high five from anybody? How many of you would rather live in victory than just crash, bang, boom, I need another victory. Crash, bang, boom, I need another victory. Crash, bang, boom, I need another victory. Well, we're talking about how victory has a lot to do with the way we're living, not just, oh, pastor, pray for me again. If you want to live in victory, you're going to have to be on victory road. Can I get a witness? All right. So you, you need to understand that living in victory doesn't just come because somebody prays for you and you get some temporary relief. God wants you permanently above only and not beneath. He wants you living this life of victory. Nothing can get you down. Yes, there'll be problems. Yes, there'll be storms. Yes, there'll be this. Yes, there'll be that. But we always win. Are you listening? So um, you have to start thinking more about instead of just pastor pray for me or so-and-so pray. You got to be thinking about the way you have been thinking that led you to where you're at. The way that you've adopted of talking. The way of believing. The way you treat other people. All these things have to do with living in victory or not. Now look at this verse, Romans 3, verse 16 and 17. Some great revelation here. We're talking about the life of victory. It says here, destruction and misery was just their bad luck. <laughs> Come on, what, what, what was their problem? It's on the screen if you don't have a Bible. What, what's Paul by the Holy Spirit saying here? Destruction and misery wasn't just their lot in life. Destruction and misery wasn't just uh, fate. Destruction and misery was on a road they were on. What if you get off that road? Uh, goodbye misery, goodbye destruction. Because he says right here, destruction and misery are a way. It has a lot to do with the way people think, the way people talk, the way people believe, the way people treat other people. This is a road. This is a way that has these things. How many want to get off a road that has misery and destruction on it? You can go down any road you want. God won't make you. Devil can't make you. You can go down any road you want. And this scripture here says, if you want freedom from destruction and misery, get on a new road. Find out from God what that road is. Find out where it's at. Find out how to get there. It ain't far away. It's easy. But notice the next verse. And the what? No, wait, wait, wait. I thought peace was, you know, had to do with, you know, just um, what runs in the family or maybe, you know, if I need peace, I'll just get a prayer and everything will be fine. It may be fine for a week. But if you're on another road that doesn't have peace on it, you're going to need another prayer. Listen, church, when you get involved with the plan of God for your life 
and you really walk down the road he wants you to walk down, there'll be no misery or destruction on it. There'll be temptation, there'll be opposition, but there'll be no misery or destruction. Listen, church, when you walk down the road God wants you to walk down, you don't have to pray, Jesus, help me so much. Victory's just on that road. And I'll show you some more about this. There, there's a way you can live your life. For the, you know, when you start reading the Bible, you start realizing God has a plan for your life. And it's really smart to check in with him about what you're going to do and where you're going to go spend eight years of learning and what, you, what you're going to do with your... It's really, it's really smart to discover before you decide. You know, discover what God's will is for your life. And he'll direct you and prompt you and help you. And it's real interesting that but when people don't follow God's plan for their life, they encounter tests and trials the Lord never intended them to encounter. I, I don't want any unnecessary adversity. There's enough to deal with. How many want extra problems? Raise your hand. We'll, we won't pray for you. But anyway, I don't want any extra problems. But a lot of the problems in people's lives is self-inflicted. They're going down roads. The Lord told them not to go down. They're thinking in certain ways. The Lord told them to change. They're talking in certain ways. God told them not to talk. And they've adopted these things as a way of life. And it's causing problems in their life. And then they're crying out for help. And God helps them. But two weeks later, they're back in the problem. Get this, church. Any believer, any believer can get a victory because the Lord loves you. Any believer can get a victory. But it takes living in the will of God to live in victory. You know, not just always need victory. And this scripture says destruction and misery are a way. And it also says, verse, what did it say in the next verse? 17? The way of peace they've not known. So, peace is not just the answer to a prayer. It has a lot to do with the way you're thinking, the way you're talking. Matter of fact, Isaiah 26, the prophet said, God will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is stayed on him. Because you trust in him. God will keep, peace is a choice to keep your mind on Him. And I know people don't like this, but the Bible says depression is a choice. It's hard to be depressed if you're always thinking about the goodness of your Father and all the promises He said were yours. Actually, I was actually going to teach a message one of these days. I don't know, I probably shouldn't mention the title or nobody will come. But one of these days, I'm going to teach a message on stop being depressed. Like, like, you think I can help it, Pastor? Like, I know you can. Yeah. The Lord's not telling you to stop something that you can't stop. Right. Depression is a choice. Yes. You no, know, my whole family's had it. It's a chronic illness. It's terrible. It's wrong. I've tried. Listen, you may have tried to get free a thousand and one ways, but God has your victory. Yes. And depression is a choice to quit thinking and say, well, I just can't control my thoughts. I can't. That's a lie. Let me tell you the best way to control your thoughts. Start speaking something different than what you're thinking. Because if it's on your mouth, it's on your mind. People that have mental problems actually have talking problems. Always talking the problem, always talking the situation, always talking the bad. No, how about if you, how about if you just interrupt those thoughts by saying what you want instead of repeating what you have? How about interrupting those thoughts? And if you have to talk to yourself all day long, it'll do it if it keeps your mind going the right direction. God will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is stayed on Him. That's why we say get in the Word, get in the Word, get in the Word. Hear good sermons, read your chapter every day, Monday through Friday with your church family. Get in the Word. 
right? right? Hear Christian songs that have the word in them, not this other stuff. I have to even watch out about some things called Christian. I have to be honest with you. I have to watch out about some of these things called Christian, you know, stamp Christian. Man, they make you depressed, man. It's like the world is ending. It's like, oh, woe is me. I mean, it's like, where's the hope? It's like, at least David came around to, but the Lord is my strength and he's the health of my countenance. He said a few things, you know, but then he ended it with, but I would have fainted unless I'd believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. So Romans says that destruction and misery has a lot to do with the way we're thinking, the way we're talking, the way we're believing, the way we're loving. A lot of these things are, are, are lifestyles. And it also says that peace is a way. Anybody want lasting peace? Not, not, not like, oh, I used to be so, have so much peace and oh, I'm back in the valley again. Oh, it's so gray and dark again. But then I get prayer and I get some peace again. But then, oh, it's back in the valley. How many want to just live out of the valley? Amen. Anybody interested in living a life of peace? Yes. Well, it's going to take more than just a prayer every time you get in trouble. Right. You might have to adjust your life, not just pray another prayer for me, Pastor. All right, now that's a little hard, but I love you. So, um, turn with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I'm going to share some things with you that a lot of you know these things. But here's the revelation. You don't know it like you could know it. You don't know it like you should know it, Paul said. Right? Paul said, any man that thinks he knows anything doesn't know anything yet as he ought to know it. So I'm going to share some things. Now, Paul said it like this. Paul said in Philippians 3, verse 1, he said, Finally, brethren, for me to write the same things to you, to me, indeed, it's not grievous, but for you, it's safe. How many know it's safe to hear what you've already heard, if what you've already heard is the answer? Guys, we don't just need more. We need depth and what we already know. Something about the flesh, something about immaturity, always wants the sparkly, always wants the different, always wants the change. But mature people realize, I need to stick with this until it's working in my life. Not just because I got excited in a church. Being excited in a church service over something you need to hear is wonderful. But being set free by it is a whole different thing. Excitement is great, but overcoming is even better. And we don't get into overcoming power until we go deep enough beyond amen, beyond excitement. And actually, this is a part of my life. I'm seeing results. Glory to God. Hmm. So I'm going to talk to you about two things for the rest of the service that a lot of you know. But for you to hear it again, it's safe for you. Actually, Paul, I believe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. Paul said in Hebrews chapter two, he said, we ought to give the more earnest heed to things we've already heard, lest at any time we let them slip. Give heed to what, Paul? What you've already heard. No, give me fresh. Give me the exciting. Give me flash. Give me something new. What, do you know what you know anymore, preacher? I know a lot more, and the Lord could give me a lot more. But is what we've heard working yet? Why go to another series if you're not living in victory yet? I said, why go to another series if we're not living in victory yet? You know, we're talking about the life of victory, eighth week today. We ought to give the more earnest heed to what? 
to that new revelation prophet so-and-so had. We need to give the more earnest heed to what we've already heard. Because if you've been coming to this church for five minutes, <laughs> you've already heard the answer. Faith in God, right? God loves you. Everything's going to be all right. Well, we need to go deeper in these things, not just add just more, 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 more. We need to, this needs to be in our blood. It needs to be, I, learning is fine, but changing is what needs to happen. God's word's powerful. It's supposed to change us. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, two things that I want to talk to you about that are totally the core of the life of victory. And these things actually need to be your life, not just additions to your life. Can I ask you a question? Is there anything you do every day, even on Saturdays and Sundays, regularly, year after year, from now on till you die? Is there anything you do regularly every day? Yep. Is there anything that you, uh, I, I, how many of you eat food every day? Or do you take a break on Saturday and Sunday? How many of you get dressed every day? Why? Because uh, they're important things. Right? Well, I'll do it Monday through Friday. You better stay in your house then with the, sh with the dr blinds closed. In your birthday suit. Golly. I'm serious though. There's things we do every day right? Every day of our life. Well, there's some things we need to do spiritually every day of our life or we won't endure in our faith fight. We will give up before things manifest. We'll give in the temptation again and again and again. And number one, this needs to be a part of your life. Regular. Daily. Feeding on the word of God. Not just reading, but hearing anointed words from heaven through your God-appointed leaders to you. 1 Corinthians 1. We'll talk about more of that in just a second. 1 Corinthians 1. Look at verse 18 and verse 21. The Holy Spirit through Paul. He said, Hey guys, the preaching of the cross, basically preaching about Jesus Christ dying on the cross, rising from the dead, the preaching of the gospel, preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. So can we just stop for a second and say that you miss some sermons, you may perish. I mean, is, how serious is it to go hear good preaching when you can and should. Is it, is it serious enough to where you could say, I might perish if I don't? My marriage might perish. My peace might perish. My job might perish. My dream might perish. Or my physical life might perish. How serious is it to hear the preaching you're supposed to be hearing? And no big deal. Yeah, until all hell breaks loose and you're not spiritually ready to stand in faith and you go down like everybody else. This is interesting. He said the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. So why do a lot of people perish today? Because they think preaching is foolish and they think that's not what they need. All right. And then it says, but unto us, which are saved, the preaching of the cross is the power of God. Whoo. So what does verse 21 say? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom did not know God. It 
please God. May not please people. That's why a lot of people don't have the blessing. But it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. Now the word save means save, heal, and deliver in the Greek language. And this came from the Greek. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save, heal, and deliver them that believe. If you need saved, healed, or delivered, what do you need? Well, I need saved, healed, and delivered, Pastor. What do you need? What produces that? What produces that? What your brain thinks is foolish, what the rest of the world thinks is foolish, what half the church thinks is foolish, and what the devil thinks is foolish? Preaching. You're going to have to humble yourself and admit, I need a preacher. I need a preacher. Now, this is the way the Lord gave it to me. Preaching the gospel, hearing the anointed preaching of the gospel is the big guns. The devil has no defense for it. Cancer has no defense for it. HIV has no defense for it. Mental illness has no defense for it. The preaching of the gospel is the power of God. And what do you need if you've just got a terminal doctor's report? You need power. Because they don't right now yet have a cure for cancer. But can I just be wax bold with you? I believe if the right president is elected, which to me would be a re-election, in four years, there'll be a cure, a natural cure for cancer. For one, for one reason, let me tell you one reason. Let me tell you one reason why I say this. Because if the present president gets reelected, a lot of unborn babies aren't going to die. And if that stops, if that gets, if Roe v. Wade gets turned, a curse is coming off of this country, which includes no more shootings. Are you listening to it? A cure for cancer? Terrorism? Don't you, don't you think that all these things just happen by chance? When God was mocked, pushed out of schools in prayer, when abortion came on the scene, shootings, terrorism, all kinds of junk started happening. I better not get political. <laughs> Somebody says, oh, the politics and religion should be separated. Read the Bible. Politics and religion... Samuel was a prophet, you know, religious guy. <laughs> Hung around with the king 24-7 and helped him out when he had questions and problems. Right. The whole book of Daniel is about politics. New Testament talks about politics. That's right. Ooh, yeah. And anybody, you know, I, I just, I'll, tell you, I'll say this right now. We don't condemn anybody. We don't, we don't know what people have been through. We don't know what they've gone through. You know, people that have been abused or done the abusing or have had abortions or whatever that. Man, we don't condemn anybody for what's happened or what you've done or choices you've made. I've made some of the greatest mistakes that more than most people in this church have ever made. And I'm not going to let my past condemn me about it because the blood of Jesus, right, is more powerful than that. But we, we don't condone it, but we don't, we don't condemn it either. But I do believe... Well, I better stop because we're getting way too political here. Um, anyway, let's just pray that the election goes the way God wants it to go and be nice, okay? That's, that's my word. Just, just be nice. Just, just be nice. Just be nice. <laughs> we just pray, Lord, that the election goes the way you want it to go, and we're just going to be nice with everybody. Just be nice. Um, go back to 1 Corinthians 1.18. I want you to notice one word. In here, it talks about, I want you to notice the word perish. It says, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. So people are perishing because they think preaching is foolish. 
The devil wants you to think preaching is foolish. He wants you to think it's not what you need. You need real help. Yeah, like this, this how more, much more powerful can you get, right, than the power of God? But keep that word perish in mind. Now go to Psalm 119, verse 92. Everybody say the big guns is preaching. The big guns. You need the big guns. You need to hear from God to build your faith and overcome that thing. All right, so look at Psalm 119, verse 92. David said, God, unless your law or your word, now notice, has been my duty. Oh, did I miss that? Yes, I did, on purpose. Back to the light. Back to the light. If this is not fun, get on your knees, break through until it is, okay? Unless your law, God, unless your word, we could say unless the Bible, unless your words, God, have been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. What got him out time after time? What got him out of deathly situations? What got him out of diseases? What got him out of all these problems? Huh? His delight in the word of God. Because he delighted in the word of God, he meditated in the word of God. Because he meditated in the word of God, he knew what to do. He knew how to believe. He got supernatural strength and he overcame everything that came his way. And he saw some stuff. I mean, he saw some amazing deliverance in his life. And he said right here, it's because I went to the word every time. Got into it, not as my duty, but as my delight. Got built up on the inside, got fed spiritually, got strong, and I overcame. Yeah. You know, can I, let me just tell you one of the biggest reasons Christians are not seeing more victory in their life. They're trying to receive answers to prayer, which takes spiritual energy. They're trying to overcome temptation. They're trying to stay committed in the church on one meal a week. Jesus likened hearing words, scriptures, and hearing sermons. He likened the scriptures going into us like physical food going into our physical body. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What physical food does for your body, God's word does for your spirit. No wonder people don't stay in faith and endure long enough till a manifestation occurs. They're trying to do it with zero nourishment, basically. Once one meal a week, maybe two if they can get there on Wednesday. Maybe a couple little peanuts between the week. How would, you, how, would you do on, how would you do on your job? How would you do on your job if you ate one meal a week? I want you to really think about this. How would you do on your job if you ate one physical meal a week for the last three years? You probably would be out of the land of the living, right? You'd probably be in the next life, looking down, going, preach it, pastor. Help them to see that eating is important. A, a big problem in many believers' lives is they're not eating right. They're eating physically. And they how, how much strength would you have to fulfill your obligations Monday through Friday if you ate one meal, not two, three meals, one meal a week? Yeah. Is there any wonder? You know, um, I can tell by some of the posts I read on social media that people aren't doing this. They're saying all kinds of stuff. I'm going, what? Why aren't you restraining yourself? Why are you so irritated? Obviously, they're having spiritual low blood sugar attack or something. <laughs> I mean, they're just like, what? 
It doesn't take me very long to talk to a person. I can tell, are they living a spirit-filled life that are in the Word every day, or are they just like everybody else? Spinning around, getting dizzy. So, um, David said, if it wasn't for his delight in the Word of God, he would have perished in his affliction. I can personally testify, I wouldn't be here. Carl and I wouldn't be here as a married couple. The church wouldn't be here. Um, if it hadn't been for our delight in the Word of God. Do you remember Joshua in the earlier, uh, during the offering, it said, meditate in my word day and night? You interpret that the way the Lord's telling you, but I, there should be a portion of our day and a portion of our night, whether it's half hour, 15 minutes, two hours, whatever, I don't know what you grow into, to where we're receiving the Word of God. We're hearing anointed preaching. We're reading our chapter again. There's nothing, it's, it's not a sin to read your chapter twice in the same day. I just want you to know it's perfectly okay. Turn to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And I want you to notice verse 5. And we'll read just a few verses here. And do you ever ask yourself why there's resistance to going to church? Why the devil will start bringing up your pastor's weird mannerisms and the things that offended you about his natural... I don't know if I want to go back to that church. That pastor just, I don't know. I just don't, don't like the way he dresses up in a suit. Or I don't know if I want to go that pray, hear that praise team. Or I don't. Do you ever wonder why there's opposition to going to church? Because there's opposition to you being saved, healed, and delivered. Satan wants you sick, bound, and broken, depressed, and discouraged. And he knows if you hear enough good preaching, it's going to do something to your inside. Something's going to wake up on the inside of you. The power of God's going to manifest. And a power greater than you is going to bring you over. Right? So look here. Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Philip, which was just a servant in the church, he basically, you know, was a greeter. Or he did things with, you know, the food house. Philip went down to the city of Samaria. And what'd he do? Wonder why he went down and preached Christ unto them. Well, can I just say this? Because they needed the big guns. All right, you'll see that in the next couple of verses. If you, if you have big problems, what do you need? You need the big guns. All right, next, next verse. What did, what did it say? And it said, the people in Samaria listened intently. They gave, with one accord, they gave heed unto those things which Philip spoke. See, first came the preaching, then came hearing, and then came what? Miracles. Where, where are miracles, guys? On the other side of preaching. That's why I said at the beginning of the service, how many of you are willing to stay as long as it takes? to get to this level of preaching and hearing so miracles can happen. What, what if we're here till 2.30? In the morning. <laughs> Would it be worth it if cancers fell off? Would it be worth it? Huh, if mines were restored? Would it be worth it if depression stopped forever at that moment? Would it be worth it if the lame walked? The blind saw? Would it be worth it? Marriages are fixed? Addictions were gone forever? No, two in the morning don't seem so long anymore compared to a lifetime of hell. Jesus had three-day meetings. Can you wrap your head around that? He also had the dead raised. He also had the lame healed. And get this, he also had the maimed healed. Body parts grew back in his meetings, but they were in a meeting for three days. People got delivered from unclean spirits. They got set free from deafness. But they also hung out and listened to the Lord preach and teach for three days too. Yeah. It's amazing what a sermon a day will do for your health. Yeah. 
Oh, but Pastor, I don't have time. Well, that's a lie. <laughs> you have time for other things. It's just an adjustment of time. You're doing something. That you are for an hour a day. Maybe it's just delete. Do this. Cut TV time in half. Get three sermons in. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> for some people. <laughs> just cut their TV time in half. I could get three sermons in. All right. So it said the people were listening to Philip what? Preach. Right? He was preaching the gospel. Preaching Christ unto them. These people honed in unto those things which Philip spoke, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. When did miracles happen? After a mount of preaching went forth. All right, so if we want miracles, what else do we want? We're getting it. Not as many as I'd like, but we're getting it. Next verse, next verse. What's going on here? What are these miracles? Unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them and many who were paralyzed and that were lame were healed. Do you realize this is talking about a church member? Same dispensation we're living. Jesus already floated up to heaven. He's geographically at the right hand of the Father. This is the church. We're part of the same church. And Stephen wasn't even an apostle. I don't know why they titled, the, the translators titled the book The Acts of the Apostles. That's improper. You read the book of Acts, it's more than the Acts of the Apostles. It's the Acts of certain disciples. It's the Acts of Stephen, a servant in the church, and the Apostles, of course. But it should be, re it should be titled The Acts of the Holy Ghost through the church. And anybody who's just wild enough to avail themselves to the Lord. So here's Stephen preaching, and it leads to this. Demon-possessed people getting set free. And people that are paralyzed, can't move, brought to meetings on stretchers, totally healed and going, whoo-hoo, this is nice. And it said the lame were healed. Well, friend, if preaching can get a bunch of demon-possessed people totally set free and in their right mind, and if preaching can get you healed of a paralyzed condition and can get you healed from a crippling from your mother's womb lame condition, it can fix your problem. No wonder, no wonder there's a atmosphere all around us that says, mm, preaching is for weaklings. Preaching is for religious fanatics. Preaching is for those Christians who need a crutch. Preaching. Going to go hear that preacher preach. Going to go hear that preacher preach. Go ahead, you little Christian, you little Christian, Christian dude. Go, go, go to... Go listen to that preacher preach. What is that? That is little demon imps about this big from a pre-Adamite world. Okay, I'm just going to be honest with you. About disembodied spirits from a pre-Adamite world. They're little imps like this who Hollywood makes you think they're like this. But they're actually little monkey-like creatures. Kenneth Hagin saw them by the discerning of spirits. Little monkey-like creatures who are going, I want to kill you. If you could see it, you'd go... All it takes is, I resist you in Jesus' name, and it says it has to flee from you. We'll do a teaching on the devil, the demons, and the origin someday, but you need to understand, there is an enemy who hates your guts. He wants you to think what God said is just a bunch of foolishness. He wants you to think that you're smarter now because you're, more, you're 2,000 years later, you know, since the Bible days, you're smarter now. Uh, newsflash. 
we are still very much little children in his eyes and will always be. <laughs> okay, you got that? And that is not a figure of speech. God's been around how long? No beginning. No end. So I can't comprehend that. No biggie. Just believe it and enjoy it. Right? Just know that your father is greater than all and, and you'll get it later. <laughs> um... So, so we got to get to this other part because Carl and I were talking about something on our early walk today when we were walking our dog London. It's still dark yet. And we were, we were talking about something. I got to get to that. So let, let me just say this again. Preaching, hearing preaching daily will keep you nourished up in the faith, strong, able to actually hang on until a prayer is answered, not give up and say, I don't know why it didn't work, and, and to stand against temptation to actually overcome, break addictions, because you're being spiritually nourished and spiritually fed every day by the Word of God, you will start overcoming like never before, and the life of victory will be yours. Yes. It includes, it, it, you ha this has to be your life. Now, before I, I, I veer off this, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 14, but let me just say this. If preaching can fix demon possession, it can fix you. And so what you have to do is turn up your estimated value of preaching and realize you need it more regularly than you thought. Hmm? What did the, what did the city of Samaria need? The big guns. <laughs> what was that? A preacher. Turn to 1 Corinthians 14. We'll wrap this up, guys. Do you realize being in certain meetings can mean the difference between perishing or not perishing? What if some of these Samaritans decided to stay home and watch Amazon Prime? and uh, didn't make this meeting that Philip was in, they would have still been demon-possessed. Died probably demon-possessed, unless somebody else came to where and got himself free. What about these paralyzed people? What if they would have missed this meeting? Can we put it this way? What if, this, what if somebody who's struggling with depression misses a certain meeting? Well, you're going to miss a deliverance until the next meeting, and if you, hopefully you get in the next meeting and start realizing it's not just about getting help when you need it, it's about not needing so much help because you're in a whole different place. The life of victory. 1 Corinthians 14. So number one, uh, one of the biggest things, we talked about five or six of them. If you want to live the life of victory, you're going to have to be a person that eats the Word of God every day. Not just reads it, but hears it. Ask yourself, who's those preachers and teachers I know God's put in my life that always when I hear them does something to my spirit, hear them regularly. And I might even say, if you find a sermon that really does something for you, like you, wow, man, was I deficient in that area? This is really how I would encourage you to listen to that one sermon over and over and over and over and over and over until that thing knocks whatever in your life needs knocked out. Remember, more is not always the answer. Sometimes deeper in what you've already known, hearing over and over again what you've already heard. All right. So first, so the second thing is this. If you want to maintain a life of victory, one of the things that's helped Carl and I just as much as the first thing I just talked about is speaking in tongues needs to be a vital, joyful, regular part 
of your daily life. It does things for your spirit. It does things for your insides that nothing else can do. One of the greatest things is 1 Corinthians 14. Look at verse 4. 1 Corinthians 14, 4. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. He's writing to all of us Christians. He said, he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Then he talks about when you're in the church, you know, don't just think about yourself, think about other people. But when it comes to not being in church, he's saying he that speaks in an unknown tongue builds himself up. What does that mean? Well, the scripture that comes to my mind is if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. What's the problem? Not the adversity. Small strength is the problem. How do you overcome small strength? He that speaks in an unknown tongue. See, that's not coming from here. That's coming from my belly. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Is the Holy Spirit making me do that? Absolutely not. He's not like the devil. The devil's force and drive. Holy Spirit's calm. He won't make anybody do anything. But once you're filled with the Spirit and you tap into this part of being filled with the Spirit, the ability to pray in tongues is in you and you can speak in tongues anytime you want to. Yeah. One of the many things that's happening while you're speaking in tongues, put it up on the screen, is you are edifying yourself. What does that mean? Well, that means I'm getting built up stronger. And when temptation comes next time, I'll win. Uh, you when a sickness tries, comes knocking next time, I don't accept it. I have more strength. Here's something the Lord showed us. And, and, and we know we are living in a, a realm of victory today. We've made it through things you're not supposed to make it through. At, at the least, we should be on very heavy medication. <laughs> right? We, we're laughing. We love each other. This, our marriage is amazing. We've been through hell. But we're on the other side. And on our church and, and things we've seen in the church, we've been here for 33 years doing what we're doing in this church. Now, James Dobson would faint if he heard that because he did a thing one time. Said, if you make it 10 years, it's like you're like a superhero or something. You know, I'm you know, I'm boldly saying this because Jesus taught us how to do some of these things. And he gets all the glory. How do you. How do you go from denying the Lord three times, cursing and swearing you don't know the man, to 50 days later being the highest leader in the church, operating under the power of God, and not too many days after your shadows getting people healed, when just a few days earlier you denied you even knew the Lord, which is how you don't get to heaven. You know why Peter went on? after he committed the greatest mistakes of his life. You know why he went on? He tapped into a little thing called the supernatural power of God. He got filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues, and he was able to comprehend supernatural beyond this world restoration. And he was restored. His past wasn't haunting him. He went forward, became a great pillar in the church. And it's because he had an encounter with the supernatural. A lot of people mess up like Peter and they never get restored. They never get set free. They never go on because they've never been filled with the spirit and they never spoke with tongues. And the supernatural is incomprehensible to them. Supernatural restoration. How could Paul go from blaspheming? Come on. 
wasting Christians, injuring the church, persecuting Christians, hauling men and women to jail for believing in Jesus. How could he go from that to the apostle of Jesus Christ writing two-thirds in the New Testament? I'll tell you how. Read this. 1 Corinthians 14, 18. Look at this. I wonder if this is any connection between Paul overcoming his terrible past and not wanting to commit suicide. What did he say? What did Paul say? What did he say? What, 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 what? I thank my God I speak with tongues more than ye all. You all. You see that? What, number one, all of them spoke with tongues. He just spoke with tongues more than all of them. Can all church people speak in tongues? Cannot, not only can they, they should. Let me tell you why. One main reason why. Because when you pray in tongues, God says an edification comes on the inside of you, and you probably won't feel it. But it'll make the difference next time you feel like quitting and you don't. Next time you feel like giving up and you don't. Next time you feel like bailing and you don't. I, I asked that Lord, I said, Lord, I just pray for an hour and a half in other tongues. If anything, I feel tired. And your word says, he that speaks in tongues edifies himself. I said, Lord, I just feel like I just drained myself physically. He says, it's not physical edification, it's spiritual edification. And I said, but Lord, I, I kind of want to feel something. The Lord said this, he said, okay, do you want to feel something while you're praying and use up that power? Or do you want power next time a crisis comes that you now overcome instead of go under? I said, ah, oh, forget about the feelings while I'm praying. I'll take power when I need it. I'll take power when I need it. And I'll tell you, we've seen more than a, more than a dozen times where we got through stuff meritly, physically, financially, church-wise, ministry, because we had prayed in tongues when there was no problems. And then when the problems came, the power was in the bank. And we overcame. Supernaturally. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Oh my goodness, what praying in tongues does for your past, it causes you to be supernaturally restored from things the world says and man says you're disqualified forever. I don't know, man, but I, I, there's been some things we, we've gone through and, and man has an opinion, you know? <laughs> and then God has his word, right? And the Lord told me one time I'd committed some terrible mistakes and the Lord said, son, um, if man tries to talk you out of going on in my calling for your life, be very cautious that they don't steal your crown. You know, Jesus said, let no man take your crown. Don't let them talk you out of full restoration because did you ever notice that my servant King David was a king and a prophet and a psalmist and a, you know, a mighty warrior? Did you, did you ever notice that after he committed adultery and killed the woman's husband, did you ever notice that um, I didn't remove him? from being a king? Uh, I said, yeah. He said, well, man didn't call you and man can't tell you you're disqualified. Now they may kick you out of their denomination, but you know what, don't stop doing what I told you to do wherever you gotta do it, just you keep going forward. It's amazing who God uses. <laughs> Read the book of Hebrews. We think, we think about all these people of faith. Think about some of those things those people did. All those people of faith were also drunkards and murderers and liars and prostitutes. I mean, it's like, wow, whole hall of fame of faith is filled with these people who had these major problems in their life. But because they didn't quit and they went on and hung on to God, they got out of all of it. Now they're known as people of faith. Forever. 
Speaking in tongues is like the secret weapon of God for his people. No wonder the devil fights it. He doesn't want you edified. He wants you weak and strong and always crying out for help and never helping anybody else in a powerful way. The Bible says we that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. How can you do that if you're always depleted and always weak? The Bible says in, in the book of Jude that we are to build up ourselves on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Well, if that makes you strong, why wouldn't we do it every spare moment? I do. There's there's thing I'll say this in closing. There is um, um, there's a couple there's Brother Hagen has a little book called Why Tongues and it's full of scriptures. And then the, the last chapter of this little mini book is 10 reasons every believer should speak in tongues. And one of them is just to keep yourself reminded of his indwelling presence. His supernatural indwelling presence. You know, you're going to make different decisions under temptation and pressure when you realize he's inside of you. But if you're never praying in tongues, you're going to think God's way out there on some planet somewhere. And oh God, come down and help me. Uh, Newsflash, greater is he that's in you. The more you pray in tongues, the more you're aware that he's in you and it keeps you free from worldly contamination. It's one of the 10 benefits of speaking in tongues. Another benefit of speaking in tongues, the Bible says in the book of Isaiah, speaking of our day today, God said with stammering lips and another tongue, I'm going to speak to this people and it will be their rest and their refreshing. If there's ever a day you needed supernatural rest and refreshing, it's now. Did you know speaking in tongues will get you through the darkest times of your life? You'll even look back and go, why wasn't I more upset? God will say, because you're seeing this from a higher view. Why didn't that break me down? Why didn't I lose it? Why didn't I give up? Well, because you're seeing things from a supernatural perspective, not just this natural perspective. You know, the Bible says the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. And if you're not filled with the Spirit, you don't speak with tongues, you're more prone to live in the natural world only. It didn't say the bad man doesn't receive. It says the natural. All you got to be is too natural and you miss out. And speaking in tongues on a regular basis. Here's one thing you need to know. Speaking in tongues is not weird. It's weird not to. If it's available, you can commune with God spirit to spirit, and you don't, that's strange not to. Well, one, another benefit of speaking in tongues every day is you get to pray for the unknown. There's things your brain doesn't know about that needs to be prayed about, and the Holy Spirit will help you pray about things that you don't even know about with your brain, and you can actually stop plans of the devil you didn't even know were building against you and stop them before they ever even started because the Holy Spirit, who knows everything, helped you attack that thing in prayer, and you didn't even know what you were doing. Amazing. I, um, I'll close with this and <laughs> I'll see how it comes out here. Um, there's, there's 10 amazing benefits to speaking in tongues. You need to know that. It keeps selfishness out of your prayers. A lot of times people don't get answers to prayer because they're praying selfish prayers with their mind only. Pray in the Spirit. Holy Spirit help you pray perfect prayers. Um, and I, I had in my nose, praying in tongues is good for your past. Help you overcome, you know, guilt and condemnation and Receive supernatural restoration. It's great for your present. Helps you pray perfect prayers, things you don't know about, and keeps you built up and strong. But it's also good for your future. Like I said a few minutes ago, praying in tongues today, you may not need that power today. But two months down the road, when the carpet's yanked out of your, under your feet and you fall flat on your nose, you're going to be glad you had some spiritual Holy Ghost power in the bank. And then now that building up really comes on the scene. Um, so basically, I believe that sometimes when we're praying in tongues, um, 
we're praying about things that God already did for us in the past because he foresaw us praying about it before we even, we're even there. In other words, there's no such thing as a late prayer. You can pray something to, today in other tongues that God already answered three years ago because he saw you praying it three years later. And to him, it's as good as done if he knows you're going to do it. It's called foreknowledge. Whom he, whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. What does that mean? It means God did something in the past contingent upon something he knew was going to happen in the future. A lot of praying in tongues is God foreseeing us pray something. I, I believe our past We've seen some great blessings in our past because of prayers we hadn't prayed yet, but we prayed later in other tongues that we didn't know about. And God was able to deal with our past like it already happened, like we'd already prayed, but yet we hadn't prayed for three years down the road. <laughs> All I'm trying to say is this, guys. Praying in, praying in tongues is amazing. It'll build you up. Give you supernatural rest and refreshing. Help you maintain a life of victory. Keep you strong when nothing else can. Help you go past the breaking point and not to break. Help you stay a little longer with that unlovely person till things work out. Show a little more mercy so God can fix things. There's something about feeding on the word every day and praying in tongues every day, speaking in tongues every day that will keep you on this road of victory. And if you're interested in speaking in tongues, it's the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is for any believer who will simply ask Jesus for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 